perfect picture Pictures ain't my thing But I could put a story in your head And open up your eyes So listen close This one is for my Okay, we're back with the Juby Take I'm Steve I'm Adam And with us tonight To talk Blazers In his Rip City jersey The Prodigy The Prodigy I was forced to do this <laughs> That's a lie It is But, you know, everybody's used to him exaggerating the truth <laughs> or just lying. So anyway, yes, we're going to talk uh, about the uh, about Summer League. We didn't go this year. We did not. It's fine. We observed from yeah, a distance. It's all on TV now. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the state of the Blazers and may dip into other, some, some other things, but who knows? Who cares? Right. So the Blazers. Adam. Yeah. It was an ex- what do you think? It was an exciting off season. Um, I think, you know, the last few years with the Blazers has been pretty consistent um, as far as our roster and, and the different things we've done. Obviously, last year we made some moves mid-season, but coming into the season, I think this is the biggest move the Blazers have made in a while um, since LaMarcus leaving. I don't even think that wasn't even a trade, though. I mean, that was just him leaving. Yeah, right? I mean, and LaMarcus moving was not just LaMarcus moving. Like we lost LaMarcus and then we lost Batum, yeah. Wes, Matthews, Wes Matthews, Lopez. We lost four of our five starters in one year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There was just a, was a huge total turnover at that point, you know, and, and then it was the summer where the, uh, the salary cap was raised. So uh, we went out and spent a bunch of money. Right. On players that probably didn't deserve it at the time. And, you know, I mean, you can go down the list of guys like Alan Crabb. Okay, so we signed him to a big contract. We actually matched, I think, the Nets. He was a restricted free agent. Right. So we matched that. Uh, as it turned out, that didn't really work out that well for us, and we ended up trading him. <laughs> to the Nets. To the Nets. To yeah. the Nets, because they wanted him. So that was fine. <laughs> Myers Leonard, you know, got a big contract. We signed uh, Evan Turner. Right. And then Harkless, I think, was the other one that we signed that. Yeah, it could have been. I think so. But we also brought in, you know, I mean, there was, there was Harkless and Aminu. Yeah. And uh, Vondelay. Yeah. So, Vondelay. Yeah, Vondelay. So anyway, but we, what we did is we signed some players that had a big upside and, you know, weren't, they were kind of underachievers. Unproven players. Yeah, underachievers, players that, you know, um, had been counted out even maybe at one point in time. I think that was a big kind of drawing point over the last couple of seasons as well as Damian Lillard is kind of becoming more of the leader of this team and, and how he's built the culture and whatnot, but kind of making it so that, you know, or, or, or responding to everyone having that kind of chip on their shoulder. I think that's kind of like the drive behind the team and behind, you know, their motivation to just keep playing together and playing hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So that's Harkless being one of them, for sure. So this off year, off season, we let a lot of people go, which is interesting because this is as far as we've gotten in the playoffs. This last year is as far as we've gotten in a long time. 19 years. We got to the Western Conference Finals. You know, the, the year before, we got swept out of the first round. Embarrassing. As and we really didn't do anything. We kind of brought the team back as is. Yeah. And this year... I think that there are a couple things to me because on, on the face of it, you know, okay, so you get swept out of the first year, you stay stand pat first round. The next year you go to the Western Conference Finals and you kind of blow things up. Yeah. Yeah. 
the crazy thing to me about the me, me making the finals was the fact that Nurkic was out. Right. And that was huge. But kind of what I'm thinking is, is what, what Hood brought and what Cantor brought, I think the Blazer front office realized that, okay, with this team standing pat, you know, we didn't have those things on our roster. We didn't have that offensive rebounding. We didn't have, you know, some of the stuff that those guys brought. Yeah. And so, you know what? To get to the next level, we've got to bring in some different players with some different skill sets. And then also start really relying on Collins and some of our younger players, si- and, Simons and Simons, and of course, you know, Gary Trent Trash Jr. Now, okay, now that's the first that's being brought up on this podcast or this episode. I, I doubt. I don't think I've asked this before on the. Po- I don't know where Trash comes from. Oh, right there. Oh, it's because uh, he throws trash at the basket. Okay. At times, he just plays like trash. Yeah. And we're, I mean, yeah, you just look at his stats at, I mean, he, his rookie year and times when he would come into the games, same times as Anthony Simons, look at their shooting percentage. Yeah. It's just he didn't make shots, but, oh, he took them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we were watching one of the games and and Zach came up with the, the trash. Nickname. I mean, I like it. I don't, I don't disagree with it. I don't, um, I'm not fighting it. Um, no, I love it. Even if he plays better. I mean, even the game that he scored 31. Yeah. You know, it was still trash. Trash scored it. I, I love it. It's going to stick with him. And, and hopefully listeners of this podcast can help branch this out. And maybe we can get something going. I don't know. Get some signs, a billboard up in, in Portland. Well, I thought, you know, when we were still discussing possibly going to Summer League, I wanted to have T-shirts made. <laughs> you know, we would have to have his picture on it, too. You know, and then just trash above that. I don't know. We well, what's have the anything. what's the Muppet that's in the garbage can? Oscar. Okay, so yeah, you get the trash can with Oscar coming out of it, and Gary, you know, Trash Junior. <laughs> have his face on Oscar the Grouch. Yeah, that'd be yeah. good. I'd like that. All right, so yeah, so we're relying more on these younger players coming in. Right, so we're looking to have that. Zach, out of those young players, which one are you the most excited about coming up? Zach Collins, Anthony Simons trash uh collins why he's already proven himself he's he's i mean he's he's really young uh as young as simons is he's gotten a year of really strong play under his belt he's super fiery uh he gets pissed off really really easily right um we don't have we didn't didn't have really somebody on our team like that um and Nurkic can't be that fiery person because he has to start and he has to play consistently. Um, but that's a role of somebody coming off the bench. Uh, he has the ability to shoot the three. Um, him stepping into the three is makes it a little bit tougher for him to just catch and shoot like he needs to on the pick and pop. Yeah. But he has the ability to shoot the three. He has a lot of tenacity around the boards and uh, going up against big tough players and wanting to make a scene against them. Simons is really, really exciting as well, but he's future exciting. I think it's more likely with Anthony Simons that he's like some sort of contingency for Neil O'Shea in the case that we lose CJ. Yeah. Um, by the time that his rookie contract is up or he's going to prove that he's 
done really, really well, and he'll be like all of the other number three point guards that play for Portland. They'll get moved off to another team and have a career. Yeah. I mean, Shabazz Napier, um, uh, what's it? Uh, Jesus, guy's last name starts with an F, I want to say. Frazier. Frazier. Tim yeah. Frazier. Tim Frazier. Uh, before that, I mean, everybody throughout Dame's career. If you're not playing with Dame, you get moved on. Yeah. And I think that's really, just to me, that's good by Olshea. That's good by the front office because we have really, really great players. We draft really, really great players, but they're just going to go get paid and get playing time someplace else. Yeah. Baldwin was another one that. Oh, yeah. yeah, Wade Baldwin. Wade Baldwin, you know, know, recently. There's there's a lot of guys who are Portland Trailblazers either get drafted by Portland or get their shot through Portland after the G League. And they're really, really great. But if they're not, if they're the relief for yeah. CJ and Dame, they're not going to stick around because they're going to go get paid. Now, the other thing, too, you got to ask yourself with, with all these people leaving, all these guards leaving, how much of an impact do CJ and Dame make on those younger players and help them? You know, even build their confidence or, or get them to a spot where they can make that roster and do things on other teams. Well, I mean, for anybody who's watches the NBA or watches Portland or knows anything about them that, you know, that it's obvious. It's huge. It's yeah. yeah. All of these guys love Dame and Dame loves all of these guys. Right. Um, I also really appreciate that Damian Lillard doesn't try and play GM. He came, he had a quote uh, this off season saying, talking like saying like, well, I trust Olshay. Like I trust Neil that he's going and we have the same goal. We want a championship. We want to be great. But if it was up to me, we would never trade anybody. The team would never change. You know, that's that's Dame's mind. But he's an all-star. He's one of the best players in the league. He's not one of the best GMs in the league. That's right. not it's not his job. So I like that he speaks his mind about what he would want, but then also make sure that people recognize that he doesn't think that it should necessarily be a different way. That he respects w- what's happening. Yeah, totally. Well, and, and that's the great thing about him. He's a warrior, and he goes to war with everybody on the team. He embraces everybody. Every player that's come in, whether it was Nurkic or Cantor or Hood or any of the other guys that have come in, Lillard has embraced them. Seth and, Curry. Well, exactly. And the whole thing with that is that that's what separates him from the GM. The GM has to make those tough calls to let Myers Leonard go. Damian Lillard loves Myers Leonard, you know, in his interviews. He, he talks about a bench guy that doesn't even play as one of the leaders on the team. Right. You know, so he can't make that call. And I love the fact that that's the dynamic in Portland. It's, that, a, hel- it's a healthy dynamic. It's the old school dynamic. And they do trust each other. And they, they trust Stotts. And they all play their roles. And I think that that's, you know, I, I much appreciate you know, much more appreciate that than the idea of, of the star deciding, you know, who's going to come, who's going to play. Right. Which is, I think what you were attesting to is just how great that is. Now going back to, you know, those few players, we're talking about the young players real quick. I just had one final question or I don't know if it's the final one, but I just have another question that came up to mind. Collins, do you think that he has that capability of actually becoming defensive player of the year? Like realistically, could he do it? If the question is, can he? Could he? Yeah, he could. Can he? Yes, he could. Do you think he will? He he could. No. Okay. I don't think that he will. Um, I'd be really stoked if he becomes a starter this next year and proves himself to be a good defensive force. 
he has great footwork. I don't think he has fast enough feet. Yeah. Uh, his uh, he's athletic, but he's not a dominating athletic force. Right. And to be defensive, uh, you know, player in the league, that no, he could be on an all defensive second team, something like that. But no, I, I don't think that he will ever be defensive player of the year. I mean, he's not he's not going to beat out a, a Rudy Gobert or an Anthony Davis, you know, for that defensive, you know, player in at that position, you know, or you know, I feel. Yeah, any position. Right, yeah. Yeah. Right, and, you know, to your point, Zach, earlier, he's got a little Prisbilla in him, that attitude that, that, you know, he doesn't back down from anybody. The key for him is going to be not getting silly fouls. Right. Because that's been kind of his issue is he, you know, you got to know when to go and try to block a shot and when to just let it go. Right. And, you know, that's a learning curve you know he is he he has a defensive mindset it matters a lot to him how he plays defense and that's you need that on your team yeah you know it's just you you've got to have that there's a another player a newer player that we just got that apparently has the same fire and you know is excited to kind of be able to be next to Nurkic but Mario Hazonja has also I mean has come out and said that he's you know, or it's been said that he is that fiery, passionate guy as well that will get up in someone's face if someone fouls Dame hard. You know, he'll be yeah. that first one there to just be like, that's not cool. Yeah. So that's that's cool to know that there's, you know, we're getting more of that grit that, you know, as much as through the draft or through trades that we are getting that kind of. Well, he is the the big wild card in the players we brought in. Yeah. You know, Kent Bazemore, you know what he is. Right. You know, he's established himself and you know, what you see is what you get. Mario is somebody that has a high ceiling he's never touched. Right. And if he can get his shooting touch back and play that tough defense and give us minutes off the bench, that to me is one of the huge wild cards here. Yeah. That if he gets comfortable and he gets his confidence and finds his spot, you know, he has a huge upside. Which, I mean, as we've already mentioned, being on this team and being that Damian Lillard is that, you know, coach, I mean, that was something that, that Seth Curry, you know, said was that Dame and CJ were the first people to tell him to shoot. You need to be aggressive. You need to be out there and making those plays. So, you know, hopefully that's, you know, they'll still, they'll be in the ear of Mario as well. And, and, you know, that can translate into some, some confidence. Cause I, you know, it, there has to be something to be said about being in the NBA and, and, and when you're on a team with, with James Harden and Westbrook, you know, on, on Houston, you feel a little tentative taking that shot. You know, they probably feel like they, they have the best chance. They want to be the ones taking that shot. But when it comes to Portland, I mean, Damon CJ come out. I mean, of course, they're going to get their shots. They're going to do what they need to do. But they come out and say, we need you guys to score, too. And I Yeah, think they're just huge. totally different players than... Well, know, right. I mean, comparing that, those, it's crazy, but right. There's nothing selfish about Damian Lillard. And I think what's, what I've seen the most in the last few years with him is the growth as a leader. He's always had that chip on his shoulder. He's always been talented. You know, there was a clip floating around the other day. I think one of you guys sent it out about his first game in summer league. Yeah. It's we funny. were there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I thought I saw us, <laughs> but you know, he just, you know, he came into the league and, you know, we had 
uh, Aldridge. So we had an established star in the team. And we had a veteran team. So building from that, he was still an incredible, important piece of that team. But building from that, from where he is now, to me, he's a totally different guy. Yeah. You know, he has more trust in his, his teammates. He became more of a passer. You know, at the end of the playoff run this year, he, I think he was hurt a little bit. I think he was pretty worn down. That uh, OKC uh, series, I think, took a lot out of him. I'm pretty sure he was injured coming out of that, right? I thought so, but they never said anything about it. it. But the fact is that he was, he took a step back and let CJ kind of carry the load for one of the games. And then Rodney Hood in the third overtime against Denver. And that to me, that growth is so important for, for the team going forward because you know, he, he, he has nothing else to prove, right? He got the super max contract. He has, you know, he, he's gotten the all-star nods. He's, you know, he's, he's got the all NBA next to his name, you know? So now it's, it's make Portland better. Right. I and like it that you put it like that. It's not win a championship. It's make Portland better. Cause it's, I mean, that's, I mean, of course the end goal is win a championship, yeah, but, but that's, that's such, that's such a crapshoot. Yeah. You've got to have everything, you know, you, you can't get nicked up. It, it's matchups, who you play in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's Season so many great players. Well, and that's what really happens in the playoffs is not well-rounded players get exposed. We had players who did a couple of things really well. And if they weren't able to do those things, then they would disappear in the game. If Aminu wasn't able to shoot from the corner, then he was probably going to miss most of his shots from the wing. And then he, if he wasn't able to make a shot, then he couldn't pump, fake, and drive. So he'd be ineffective. That's what happened the, you know, throughout the entire playoffs. Right, exactly. Same thing happened with Harkless. They're not well-rounded players. Right. They uh, were able to take our, you know, quote-unquote best defensive players, those two, in the game, and not even ever have them guarding our, you know, or their best offensive players just by screens and switches. I don't know enough about basketball to know if that's mainly on them or on Stotts, but what they're really good defenders are on-ball defenders. And once they're moved off the ball, they weren't really effective and they're not really rebounders. So they weren't able to do the thing that they do really well, and then our team got exposed. Right. Uh, We got to have those well-rounded players. Bazemore is a lot more well-rounded player. He has uh, some more athleticism and upside than, well, not necessarily athleticism, but he has some more basketball upside than Mo Harkless does. Mo Harkless is an absolute athletic freak right? and in amazing shape. But is he as much of a baller as Kent Bazemore? I would argue no. Yeah. Right? No, I, I totally agree. Ba- and- yeah, Bazemore's wingspan is going to be a lot of fun, uh, you know, to play around with our defensive schemes and how much we switch on the ball. I also, like, I love Terry Stotts, but, I mean, the genius of Rodney Hood in that game, like, yeah, Mo Harkless got a cramp. Right. That's yeah. the only reason Hood went in the game. And I love that Stotts was honest about that. Yeah. He yeah. could have sat there and went, yeah, you know, I was thinking about, I think Hood will work here. He's like, no, man. I mean, Harkless got a cramp. I had to put Hood in, and then Hood just took it over from there. Yeah. yeah. Which we haven't mentioned that. Hood is back. We re-signed him. Which is huge. He took a lot less money than he could have gotten other places. Mm-hmm. 
everyone that we signed, I mean, sorry, we were just talking about the versatility of everyone. Hood, Bazemore, Hazonja. Well, exactly. And Bazemore is shorter. You know, I think Bazemore is like 6'5", as opposed to 6'9", or 6'10". He has a seven-foot wingspan. Right. He has a very long wingspan. He is one of those overachievers, chip-on-his-shoulder type guys that you were talking about. Right. That CJ and uh, And Dame Dame are. to so well. And he's solid. You know, we, we know what he what he's going to bring, you know, and and, you know, Zach, to your point with Harkless and Aminu, there were games where, you know, they've got 20 points, 14 rebounds. And oh, my God, you know, why aren't these guys, you know, on the all star team? And then the next game they score two points and get one rebound and they disappear. Well, I think a lot of it attests to what Zach was saying about them being kind of one-dimensional players. Now, if a team is coming off a back-to-back and doesn't have time to plan for Harkless or for Aminu, that's when they're going to score that, you know, and that's where they're going to hit that line. But, you know, again, that's what the playoffs is all about, having that well-rounded player that's going to be able to adapt, that you can't just make a scheme to take away their one aspect that they're good at. Right, and that's... And I guess my point is is that they allow themselves to disappear. Yeah, that's true, for sure. And I, I think there's there's players in the league, and, and I go to to Draymond Green, who is not the most talented in my eyes. You know, he doesn't shoot the ball well, but he, he he's a force in the game. He he runs hard. He plays hard. He plays hard defense. He does whatever. Yeah. You know, so if he's not getting shots and not scoring, he's doing something else. You know he's in the game. There were long periods of time in games that I didn't even know if Harkless was on the floor. Yeah. And that's what you can't have. You've got to have somebody that impacts the game in one way or another. Especially, I mean, from a, as a starter. Exactly. You know, and that's the thing is if it's, you know, Anthony Tolliver coming off the bench this year and he's able to make, you know, get three, six points a game, you know, a couple rebounds. Maybe that's what we expect from him. But, you know, Harkless coming out and doing that and getting three points and two rebounds as a starter. As a starter playing. It kills you. You know, 25 minutes. Talking about Anthony Tolliver. I'm excited about that guy. Because yeah. I, I looked and there were, looking at his highlight tape from last year, there were more highlight blocks that he had that were very impressive than the I remember the Blazers having <laughs> all year combined. Maybe that's a... Well, what, what I envision him and what I want him to be, or I'm hoping that he is, is every time we watch a Blazer game, there's some, not every time, but from time to time, there's somebody on a team, and I make the comment, and you guys hate it, but he's not that good. Yeah. But one guy uh, who's like uh, Barrera. Yeah, J.J. Barrera. Barrera. Okay, so all of a sudden, you know, he's putting up 28 against us. Yeah. You know, and I, could, I want to see... Talbot being that guy that he's not going to do it every just game. Just break out every once in a while. Just every once in a while, hit three or four threes and make a couple blocks and play some minutes because, you know, again, with Collins, we got to make sure that he's not getting into foul trouble. And Hassan Whiteside, the same way. Right. Both of them you have know, foul issues. We could have a tremendous inside defense with those two playing together. Oh, geez. Or we could have four fouls in the first three minutes of the game. <laughs> I think we will run into that issue at the beginning of the season. I think they will have to find their feet and find their rhythm and find what's going on. But I think that having that year underneath Zach Collins and being able to adapt and just have that confidence in himself, being able to learn when to go for balls, when not to go for balls, 
I think that Zach Collins will have an amazing year, and I think that that's, I think he'll be better at that whole fouling thing. I'm, yeah, I'm hoping, I, I guess. I, I would just. I'm very it. excited about Collins. Yeah, that's yeah. To me, I don't think Simons is gonna gonna get that many minutes to make that much difference because I think Hood is gonna be, you know, the first guard off the bench. Yeah, but I think that, you know, it, if what I saw with Simons in the summer league is he was able to get his shot. And he was under control, but he made a lot of silly mistakes. Yeah. You know, just throwing the ball away. He had a lot of turnovers. So I think he's a ways away from being that backup point guard. I would say that. I mean, because you didn't, you know, you didn't see Dame making those mistakes. I was, I was going to say that, you know, it's summer league. So how much are the other players on the team? You know, the the chemistry or you know the rhythm of what's actually happening in the offense playing in more of a set system you know maybe you're able to make less mistakes because you know where you need to be going with the ball but again like i said or i said at the beginning of that whole spiel was that damian lillard didn't really do those things so i mean it can be done the summer league team this year was horrible i mean that the what's his name horde who's the two-way player they signed okay okay so he's like six nine he played quite a few minutes he's very athletic you know six nine bouncy okay you know so give him a shot see what happens we really didn't have anybody else could shoot it was trash and simons uh stokes who is a career summer league guy yeah yeah stokes i remember that name actually he's all of the yeah he's played i think the last three or four years (laughs) all the times you've gone and gotten the brochures yeah he plays over overseas and all of that but he's he's just not good yeah and Little, who's our, our draft pick this year, honestly, he, you know, he shows me some athleticism. Yeah. He made a couple shots, but his shot doesn't look all that good. Hmm. He's, he's a perfect example of someone who was just super hyped in high school. Yeah. I mean, he was in the top conversation. He was going to be a with one of Zion. The, yeah. It, it, he was there with Zion and Barrett and... You know all the the top guys. He, he was, was top consi- five. For he sure. was in the top five, and then he didn't play that much. Yeah, North Carolina, and you, and you wonder why. You know, if he's a top five talent, North Carolina has gotten those talents, has done those things, and and with that, you know, they they're going to play him. Well, what they had is they had an upperclassman that kind of put it all together, Cam Johnson. Cameron Johnson, that's right. Okay, yeah, and he kind of put it all together and became their their starting forward. You know, their power forward. Man, I feel bad for the Suns. Just putting that out there. Oh, in so many ways. <laughs> in so many ways. So, yeah, I mean, we, we're going to start off, you know, our, our, uh, our starting lineup is, you know, it's going to be CJ and Dame, probably Bazemore. You really think Baze is going to start at three? Well, I mean, who else would you, would you start? I mean, would you start? You wouldn't start Hood. I mean, you can't. Why? Yeah, I mean, I might. I mean, you, but because this, having that scoring off the bench when you have Damon Lillard, I mean, he's that isolation. He can make his own shot. Right. So you almost want that when Damon Lillard, Damon CJ aren't there. So I get that off the bench. You want that scoring. You know, that's why you have Lou Williams on the bench as opposed to having him start. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't really know. I don't. I don't. I don't see Bays being the three. I don't know. Maybe his wingspan allows him to to do that. But I guess I don't know. I, who else would be there? 
Well, and that's kind of the question. You know, what are the threes do we have? Mario. Mario is six eight. Okay. I mean, he's got experience in the league. He, you know, uh, it, he might. You know, if he if he plays well in in uh, you know training in, camp, in training and, camp, they feel like he's and got, all of that. Yeah. That certainly is a place you could put him. I mean, if he's got a defensive prowess to himself and, you know, that toughness, maybe you want that in the game with, with Damon CJ to counteract their calmness <laughs> and, and poise that they have throughout their, their game. So then I see, I see Collins and, and Whiteside. Yeah, no, for sure. There's no other options there. I mean, because we kind of went from being really big to not having that many big guys right now. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, we've got Talbot at 6'8". You know, he's kind of a veteran guy. Midway through the season, we could be huge. Talbot? Well, Tolliver? Tolliver. Tolliver? Sorry, sorry, Tolliver. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he can be... He's power forward, sometimes can play small ball center for sure. Okay, you know, but we had... You know, when we got rid of, of Leonard, you know, so now we have Collins and Whiteside... And then Nurk maybe comes back in February. Yeah, all-star break, something like that. So, yeah, then then we have three big guys. But for the first half of the season, we're going to have two. Right, we're going to have to play small ball. And if they both start, then, you know, who... Who's our backup center? So do they... So at that point, maybe they... Man, that's tough. Maybe they start Tolliver and and put Collins on on the bench as backup center. I, I, I think that's stupid because Collins is just needs those minutes and he deserves to be a starter I think over Tolliver but if you're trying to balance it out and try to play it as like you know the whole game maybe well, put I think Collins off I, the bench I mean you could think of it like Aminu last year Aminu would start every game but there was plenty of games where he would never be in like barely in the second half yeah yeah. so they they could just throw out you know put having Collins coming off the bench but instead of him. having him start yeah. And yeah, and he could still play every bit as many minutes as Tolliver. I mean, you see, you see that with like uh, Golden yeah. State, Kevon Looney. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he'll start, but he plays less minutes than everybody else. Jordan, yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. Well, you could start them both, you know, Whiteside and Collins, and kind of do the C, what we did with CJ and Dame when we had guys coming off the bench, or not as much off the bench, they would stagger them. Yeah. You know, so. CJ would go sit down and then Dame would continue to play and then CJ would come in and Dame would go sit down. Yeah. You know, they could do that with those guys. You could see that being a and, rotation. You know, just kind of stagger their rest. I think it's a little tougher with big guys, you know, because they, they just need, I don't know, maybe not. They're professional athletes. I guess I might be underplaying it, but. Yeah, yeah they're both incredibly athletic. Yeah. No, for sure. I'm I'm excited for the the shooting. I think that our shooting on other than our guard positions has improved uh, on our forward positions. I think that if you want to count Bazemore as a forward, you were about to smart start him at the small forward. So, you know, Bazemore, uh Tolliver, Hazonja, as you said, maybe he could find his shot. He's had a shot. He knows how to shoot, but you know, maybe he's inconsistent. If he's able to find it, the the amount of, of shooting off the bench, I think well, with Hood, obviously you lose the one of the top three point shooters in the league in Seth Curry, right? But you know, I, I think that the, at the forward positions, you definitely upgraded when it came to three point shooting, and that's huge with this team because Dame and CJ can drive so easily 
know, they really need those people that can make those shots outside. I think that's been a downfall to our team. Yeah, the wings, I hope that's where things really change. And, and I do have a lot of confidence in Hood. I think that he's comfortable. I think that he likes the idea of him staying there, you know, with his family. You know, off the court matters as much to him as on the court. Right. And, and you just, you know, the, the thing we keep talking about all the time is, is the leadership of Lillard and CJ. And then also the consistency of the franchise. Yeah. You know, and just, and the fan base, you know, you're, you're just playing in front of good fans and it's Portland's a small town and NBA standards. And, you know, you're, you're the only game in town and the way that, you know, the city embraces the, the NBA players and, you know, considering it's not my favorite place to be (laughs) and the weather sucks. There's amazing how many people, you know, retire in Portland. NBA players, you know, I mean, you know, ex Blazers and that kind of stuff. I've, I've lived there for a little bit and the culture in that town is, is something special when you're going around and just running into random people. It's, it's, it's inviting. And I think that that's something that I think is respond or it, it, uh, makes it so that you can definitely feel that in how they respond to the, the team. Yeah. And how they, they, you know, I mean, a lot of other teams and a lot of other players, I feel like it's not bandwagon, but if they're bad, they're going to, they're going to shout, they're going to come, you know, complain. But for Portland, it's just, you know, we, I feel like we're just supportive no matter what happens. Well, I, th- I think that's very true. You have the East coast idea of, you know, I mean, it's, it's almost as fun to bitch about your team as it is to have your team win. Yeah. Seems to me at times Philadelphia and some of the areas back there, New York. And then you have in the Southwest where you just, you know, you have your ultimate fans, but you know, sons can have a decent team. Nobody goes. No, you know, Clippers, even the Lakers to a certain extent, you know, unless they're winning championships. Yeah. You know, it's the West coast fans aren't quite, you know, the same, but, but Portland, yeah, they, their fans, their fan base is, is a little bit different. Yeah. You know, it just, it always seems to be, you know, rocking there and crazy. I remember back in the day when I used to go in Memorial Coliseum every night. Yeah. I mean, it, during one period of time, it was like five years. Yeah. I remember that of sellouts every single night. And it, and it was a smaller arena. Yeah. That was why they had to go to the bigger one, I think, or why they ended up doing it. Well, it, it, it's a tough ticket. Yeah. Well, you know, so, you know, it, the lower teams in the league, you wouldn't necessarily want to go and watch them. But if that's the only seat you can get, if that's the only time you can go to the game, yeah. unless you're a season ticket holder, somebody will buy them. Yeah. You know, somebody will go watch the team. So, uh, you know, now when you can pick which games you go to, it's a little bit different. So you don't sell out everything. So what is the Rose Garden is or Mata Center, I guess it used to be the Rose Garden. Yeah. It's like 16 something. That sounds right. I don't know exactly right, but I'm sure we could look it up. Um, no, I, Zach, I have a question for you. We won 53 games last year. Uh, I think we were projected to win like 41. Or we won 53, projected to win 41. Um, we're projected to win like 43 this season. Do you think we'll beat 53? Do you think that we'll kind of maintain that? 
uh, success? Uh, I don't think that we will beat 53. Yeah. I think that we will win 50 games, though. Ooh. That's the big marker, right? That's what everyone wants to kind of... The 50-win teams are the good teams. You know, those are the great teams for the season that, that everyone's, like, thinking as favorites towards kind of moving forward in the playoffs. Well, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, you know that's yeah, that's a definitely a plateau. I more than any year in recent memory, the NBA is up for grabs. There's so much change and so much movement of not only the top players but a lot of the second tier players. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of teams out there that have gotten better that didn't get all the headlines. Yeah, that you know, the LA, the Clippers and the Nets and, you know, where, where the, the handful of the quote unquote superstars went to. I think to. Indiana got better and they were, if not Olin Depot going out, could possibly have given the Ra- Raptors a run for their money. Yeah. So, you know, one of the, one of the favorite picks right now, everybody loves talking about Denver and, and Utah. Which is hard for us because about the they're West. in our conference. Well, and, and it's it's cute. It's the talking head guys, you know. So all of a sudden now the Lakers are number two. The Clippers are number one. Yeah. And then it's a question, okay, well, all right, we're going to put Houston at number three. Then is it Denver or Utah? Well, yeah. the team that went, you know, the two teams that went to the Western Conference Finals, Golden State, and Portland aren't even in the conversation. Both of them had, had major changes to their roster. When I mean, of course, you can say that the Jazz did as well in adding. Well, some and so talent, did the but Clippers. They, but they so just, did the Lakers. But they added talent. So did Houston. We 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 subtracted our, our our some of our core and added in some some unknown pieces. That is hard to predict what's happening. But when you take a team like Utah that did have success, just barely missed the playoffs this last year and now has added Mike Conley as who I always thought was overrated. I think that he is a great point guard. Yeah. I mean, he's only the highest scorer in history for Memphis. I, you know, I think that his ability to take the pressure off of Mitchell, you know, to, to be able to have another go-to score for that team. Not only that, they added Bogdanovich, Bohan Bogdanovich, who is an amazing power forward who can shoot Play, playmaker mm-hmm. you know i think that they added a couple of pieces that absolutely puts them in that position but they added pieces and not really subtract a lot of what they had in their core they were able to kind of keep together a lot of what they were had going on and i think like you said it's kind of those um you know teams people aren't talking about that those signings were great um right but like i'm saying you know that, that utah and denver is is the trendy pick you know they love them yeah you know but Nobody knows what LA's going to have on their bench. You know, yes, they have, you know, some some star power certainly. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they have three of their best players, and like that that's supposed to give them so much support. We're all on a team together, and they did not play well together with Rondo Davis and uh, Cousins. Yeah. yeah, they were all on the Pelicans, and they didn't do well. And then, right, and then Cousins got hurt. Yeah. So yeah, I also think with mainstream mainstream media also will tell you that Damian Lillard didn't have a good playoff series. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and the 
the final shot against OKC was a bad it shot. It was a bad shot, according to Paul George. Um, but, yeah, I mean, w- when it comes to L.A. and their roster, you know, they obviously have their starting lineup. It, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of lineups they create. That's going to be the question. Everyone's wondering, is, is LeBron going to start at point guard? Or do you throw Rondo or whatever other guard they have? They, oh, they've already said that LeBron's starting at point guard. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's like, all right, but I, I just, I'm interested to see how that's going to work out. The lineups that they're going to do. I think that they have shooters on their team that are capable shooters. Um, and so I think that they have pieces. It's just going to be, can, can they put them together? Is Luke, Luke Walton is no, no longer no, there. Yeah. No. So who is no, there? He coach? was the first to go. Yeah. Luke Walton is uh, Sacramento, I think. Oh, okay. He's the head coach there. That's right. Okay. Good for them, by the way. Yeah. As Hill? Is right. Hill the coach? Who cares? Yeah, I'm not yeah, sure. Good point. Nobody listens to this. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> trying to get it right. Yeah. I mean, un- unless our buddies on the police force. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> buddies. Or Hey. Or Laker fans. Yeah. No, I just find it interesting that, you know, that, that Portland is discounted as much as they are. Because I think we, you know, we certainly upgraded at the center position. Right. And our wings were not a strength of the team. You know, now, you know, Harkless, when Harkless goes to the Clippers, uh, they're all talking about, well, Harkless is really a good player. Yeah. Well, no. He's, he's well, a, yeah, he can play well, but he's just inconsistent and he's not well-rounded. Yeah. You know, Montrez Harrell is also, you know, a dominant player and can be dominant. And he can also be shut out and not do anything in a game. Yeah. You know, and, that, and just another guy who's part of their, you know, demonic, you know, second squad that's just supposed to be the best thing, which, you know, they were the best second team in the NBA last year. The Clippers are the most terrifying team in the NBA. That's, yeah. I mean, that, that's for sure. Harkless is great being the third or fourth forward off the bench or, or, or you know, in the game. Honestly, I think he will totally disappear. He I won't get many minutes I, behind Kawhi and Paul George now. Right. I don't think he's going to get that many minutes. And his personality is such that it needs to be, he needs to be, you know, included. He needs all the things that Damian did for him. I would, yeah, and got him out of his shell, and where he wasn't at the end of the bench pouting because he didn't get what he, you know, what he, he thought. Needed to be pampered. Well, to yeah. be honest, I lost, I, I kind of lost faith with Mo Harkless before. Uh, was was three three years ago, or it might have been two years ago, but it was one of the, it was the last game of the year, and he was turning down three point shots because if he missed one three point shot then he wasn't going to get a certain bonus for shooting percentage on his contract. That's right. Yeah. He was specifically not shooting shots because he was afraid of missing it for his bonus. Lowering his percentage. Which I'm all about people making their money and whatnot, but if you're going to be in the game, you you got you to gotta play hard. You it's, know? It, yeah. You got to know, hey, I'm not going to take this shot, so I'm going to drive it super hard. I'm not even going to look at a three. It's like, and what? it's happened in the past where a baseball player won't play the final game of the season because if he loses a percentage point or two off of his average, he'll lose the batting title. Mm. So he sits out. Yeah. I always thought that was just crap as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, play. Fan. Yeah. Just play, play it through. If you win, you win. Right. 
But yeah, and Harkless had a lot of issues. And that's why I, I think, and I have nothing against Harkless, but I think in that environment down there, if he isn't a major part of what they've got going on, he'll just be a lump at the end of the bench. Yeah, and you know, I, I you know, hopefully, hopefully not. I wish all the people that left Portland, you know, well, um, and and that they they do awesome. I think Zach and I were talking, you know, Myers Leonard might have a career year. We don't know. <laughs> hopefully, I think he will. Yeah, you but, know, I there were there was just something about him in Portland. You know, I, I just I thought that he played well at the start of the year when he got minutes and we got Cantor and he was sent to the bench. He has the best attitude of anybody. I mean, he just, you know, he's the first guy off the bench to congratulate somebody that does something, you right. know, even if he's the guy that's taken his minutes. I always, as you guys know, I always liked him. I always wanted him to succeed. Yeah. So, yeah, I hope that he does. And I, I think that you know, he has talent. He I has think the he's, capability of He doing showed it. in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't think that that was that much of a fluke, you know. So Miami, right? Yep. Well, they got Butler. I think that they, yeah, I think he has a chance of actually. Yeah, they're trying to get Chris Paul. Yeah. Yeah. And to get him, OKC's like, we want our picks back. <laughs> OKC has so, that's that's a storyline amongst itself, was what they've done in getting rid of Westbrook and Paul George and the amount of picks oh, they that have, they have picked up. They have like 30 picks in the next seven four years. years. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, It's crazy. Like I'm I'm interested to see how that works out. I mean, it's it's a strategy for sure, um, but you just you're giving up proven players for something you just don't know, right? And well, I mean, they they hit a ceiling. They, yeah, well, yeah, they weren't going anywhere. Westbrook, I, yeah, I don't think what the only time that Westbrook made it to the finals was with Durant. Yeah, I guess the only option that would have been even like. You know, close to being what you could really do to salvage that situation is just get rid of rid of Westbrook and maybe keep Paul George. But even then, maybe not. Yeah. Well, it, it just that wouldn't have been a bad plan. Yeah. But it's just not going to happen. Right. Yeah. It's Paul George didn't want to be there by himself. You didn't try to rebuild. They didn't sign him to a contract. He wasn't going to. Oh, you want to rebuild around me? Right. No, no thanks. I'm. I've already played that game. Right, exactly. Right. Did, did that, that with Indiana. Indiana. Right. So, yeah, it, it's very interesting, the dynamic. You know, friends going and playing with friends. Who's coming out of the East? Indiana. Well, I think the Celtics. Yeah, the, you know, the Celtics have Kemba Walker instead of, uh, instead of Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. That's huge. You know, the Nets aren't going to do anything because Durant's going to miss all of next year. Yeah. He, doesn't, he doesn't play at all. I guess. You know, I mean, it, it's interesting if, you know, what Toronto has left because it wasn't just, I mean, Kawhi was their star, no doubt about it. Right. But they had a solid team. Philadelphia, the Celtics, like you mentioned. Yeah. Philly's definitely going to be good, but Celtics are going to do it. I think the yeah. Philly like the Celtics. Kyrie Irving took Brad Stevens out of the game. Yeah. Right. But they also lost Horford. That was huge. And that, he was a big piece of I'm, what they had. I'm super confused they, with that move, by the way. Probably just couldn't pay him. Maybe. Yeah. But, but Horford going to Don't they still have Terry Rozier? Yeah. 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 Terry, Terry Rozier, he's, he's going to have a breakout year this next year. Yeah. He, he's going to absolutely 
really take a step. I bet he gets defensive all, uh, first team. And then, you know, the team we haven't mentioned that might just be the team is Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. There's also them. You know, they did With have the, the MVP. Yeah. yeah, the MVP and the best record in the league. Yeah. So they just Terry up. Rozier is no longer on. The uh, he was part of the three-team deal. I thought I remember this. He's part of the three-team deal. He's now on the Charlotte Hornets. Okay. So he went there for Kemba Walker while Kyrie went to the Nets. The Nets. So, yeah, it, it like I said earlier, it's going to be a crazy year because some of these teams have to gel. Yeah. You know, and then also they have to find role players in the case of of the Lakers. And, you know, it's, you know, Memphis, after they swept us, looked like to be, wow, okay. New Orleans? Got, New Orleans? New Orleans. New Orleans, okay, right. After they swept us, they looked like to be the team to beat. Right. You know, so I'm thinking Utah and Denver, you know, okay, so Denver, all of a sudden the next year, you know, New Orleans couldn't win a game. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what blew up you know, what, what they were doing is that, wow, okay, well, you've got these stars and, you, you know, here's a team that made it to the second round of the playoffs and bam, you know, now they can't win a game. They're so far away from the playoffs yeah. that they blow the team up. They, they surprisingly rebuilt really well, you know, compared to, I mean, losing your, you know, one of the number top three players in the world, you know, and, and being able to, get the talent that they did to build around uh, Zion and, uh, and well, and that's, that may be a podcast in itself because Zion, he played nine minutes in summer league and everybody says in retrospect that he shouldn't have played at all. He was, you know, way overweight. Yeah. Well, is that going to be an issue for him going forward? Is he going to have a weight issue? Cause he can't play at 285 pounds. Yeah. I just don't see that happening. And I think at Summer League, he was 290. Mm-hmm. And, you know, okay, so going to the ESPYs and going to the draft and you gain 15 pounds, you know, there's, there's been a lot of professional athletes that have had weight problems. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what uh, Barkley said, Charles Barkley. He's, like, he's yeah. like, Zion's not fat. He's like, I was fat coming in. He's like, Zion's not fat. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, that's what, that's what, oh, I... Barkley said today, he t- uh, talking about Zion, told the story of when he, the last year that he was with the Sixers, after the year, Moses Malone came up to him and said, you're fat and you're lazy. You need to figure it out. And then he went on to say that somebody needs to go up to Zion and say the same thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Say that you're fat and you're being lazy. Wow. Okay. Right. And Krzyzewski said, well, he shouldn't play him in Summer League. Okay. Why not? Summer League isn't what it used to be. Summer League used to be the most wonderful basketball experience ever. Yeah. Now it's an event. They got 20-some thousand people for Zion's game. Yeah. I mean, they packed Thomas and Mac. It was sold out. Standing room only. You know, back in the day when, when we loved going, you know, you walk into the arena, there's 19 people. Right. You know, it was... And half of them were executives. The glory days. Yeah, right. Those were fantastic. But but it's become this huge event now. And I I don't understand, unless you're coming off an injury, you know, you're not playing against incredible talent. You know, it's not that rigorous. It's, you know, six games. Right. Why not play at least in a couple of them? But, you know, I mean, how much are we going to pamper athletes now? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, a lot of people think of that as like a launching platform or like a, a platform for these athletes to prove themselves and make their name, you know, to, to get the minutes or, you know, to get on the team or the roster. And if, I mean, for some of these players, it, it doesn't need to be that, you know, no. it's, it isn't that it's just kind of getting your feet wet, getting into the, you know, into the, the pool and, and, and trying it out. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm indifferent. I, I think that, I think they should play, but. I mean, you don't have to be a great, like playing in the summer league and dominating. It doesn't, you don't have to do that if you're going to be a great player in the NBA right, at all. No, 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 you but don't. summer league MVPs go on to be really good players. Josh Hart, Damian Lillard, Kemba Walker, like, all those guys were summer league MVPs. Miles Bridges was the one this year. Yeah. He had a good year this last year, and he's going to have a really good th- year this year, too. Well, I mean, he didn't win MVP this year. No, he, he was meant last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Clark, I mean, and I'm excited to see Clark. I yeah. think Clark is going to be a really good player for Memphis. Yeah. So, so I, to, to so, your testament to what you're saying, I think it's true. Yeah. Well, and, and I agree. And I read something the other day that, uh, a player that's that played again this year and a guy that we went and watched when he was with the Blazers, Thomas Robinson. Right. Yeah. Was back in summer league because he'd played overseas. And this story was very interesting because you want to talk about a physical specimen. And I still have the picture that I took of him and you talk about a chiseled body. I mean, it's the guy's got 2% body fat and he can jump out of the gym, but he admitted in this that he had no idea how to play basketball. He simply made it to the NBA, was, a, I, think, I think, a top 10 draft pick. Yeah, he was. Uh, simply out of athletic ability. And it wasn't until later, and after he left Portland, somebody came up to him and said, you have zero basketball IQ. And he didn't even know what that meant. And when he went overseas, he started learning, and he realized that, you know, okay, because I think he's only like 28 years old now. He's not that old. Yeah. And he said that I had no idea how to play basketball. I had no idea where I was supposed to be, how I was supposed to play, how to position myself. And he said, I had to learn that. And I'm trying to learn that now. I still have the athletic ability. But that's one of the things I think that gets lost in a certain extent with, especially with these kids, you know, what is their basketball IQ? Do they really know exactly what, to do when to do it and how to do it yeah and a lot of times no yeah and you know can you learn that now we'd hear a lot you know where that's addressed you know he's got a very very high basketball iq or football yeah you know or whatever the sport is really they understand and it's you know and i i still think about you know like when i played city league basketball and watching you guys play city league basketball and then you play a kid that played in high school yeah. Which we didn't do. Yeah. And just the fundamentals, just the, the certain things that you can just tell watching. Yeah. That they just know something you don't know. And you might be better than them, but they, you know, they win. But I thought that was interesting that, you know, Thomas Robinson now is, you know, is back and playing in the summer league. Yeah. And Stokes, we mentioned him. I, you know, I think he's a career summer league guy, you know. And they go off, and I, we were talking about this the other day that all the places that you can play now around the world, you know, you can go to Israel, you can go to China, you can go to Europe, 
You know, you can go to the Philippines. Basketball's everywhere. Basketball's everywhere. And, you know, you can, you can have a career. You can travel the world. You know, not all the places are wonderful. I mean, it's, it's become so much of a thing that it is the, a new gateway to the NBA. There are three players that are going to possibly be high draft picks this next draft that have gone to the Australian Basketball League. Yeah. You know, um, and that's, you know, just something to be said for the, you know, just the other leagues in the world and how much they've stepped up their game and how they, well, they run things and, and everything is, is, you know, to, to actually bring these players with that kind of talent to them, you know, they have to be doing something right. You know, and, and, and that's exactly right. And options for young players rather than going to a school that you don't really want to go to and playing two or three games and, you know, taking a, a spot from a kid that, that wants to go to school and get an education you know, they, I, I'm all for anything you can do for kids that don't want to go to school and give them some place to play. And whether it's the G League or whether it's going to Australia or right. whether it's going overseas, you know, for a year or two and, and have that be the minor leagues for basketball players and not not take university, you know, scholarships away from kids. And, and I really would, you know, I would like to see that, you know, whatever they could do with that. I'm all for that. Right, and it's obviously it's it's be very interesting to see how that affects college basketball and and how much that draws the top talent away and and if that affects you know college basketball possibly becoming a little bit more open. You know, I think a lot of times it's just like the few blue bud teams that get the top recruits tend to win the most games, and obviously it's different. There's a lot of um, you know yeah. teams and that have come up and you know have the veterans and the seniors and stuff that'll win but you know those top teams or with, with the top recruits usually do very well so all right well that's what we think about the blazers yeah and oh, this year last, last thing okay damian lillard spent a week doing 15 hour shooting sessions and he had to shave his beard and this information came out to confirm that his appearance in uh space jam 2 is much more than just the cameo. Yeah. I didn't read the article, but I saw it. I saw that, that it was too. there. So, and also, uh, he does his camp in Portland for kids. Right. And spends a lot of time out there with that, you know, so giving back to the community and it, it's just, it, I go, I go back to the years when, you know, being a Yankee fan and having Derek Jeter on my team. And yeah. how fantastic that was because he's such a great guy yeah. and believed in the Yankees and, you know, was a winner and a quality person. And now, you know, with the Blazers, you know, with Damian Lillard, who is every bit as quality a person. And, you know, we touched on it a little bit. We didn't go too deep into the fact that he's committed to Portland. Right. And he doesn't want to go someplace and, and be on an all-star team with somebody just to hunt a championship. And, you know, he believes in the small market team, you know, Butch and Sundance, that idea, you know, CJ is, is just a step behind, right. you know, he is another quality person. He's another great player and doesn't mind, you know, not getting the microphone shoved in his face after every game because they're talking to Damien. Right. And, and someone that's willing to do that, 
You know, Scottie Pippen did that for a long time, you know, and, and was kind of a, you know, never in the conversations. It was Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, and kind of an afterthought. And that's not an easy place to be no. when you're a really good player. Yeah. And I just, I love the fact that we have those two. And whatever we put with them, you know, I, I'm excited to see what happens. I totally agree. I'm excited for Space, Pan, Space Jam too. Yeah. Right on, guys. Well, if you guys want, there's going to be more perspectives later. of today point them out to me so i can come and join their rate we'll walk around this land with open hands looking for change we'll want to understand this progression we have at hand humanity is killing wheat for this we will not stand i say let's progress in good contest make conference then love our best our onslaught of love will be at an all-time high crashing like waves on some ponderosa pines our love that makes no sense we who spend love at no expense we are a force of passion create a new faction taking action working hard just for the satisfactions with the abilities to shine so bright that others want to fight because our light is in their eyes ladies and gentlemen we are the skies don't remain mystified by their lies and trust us for we will teach